The Olympics always manages to throw up something bizarre, and if you had have told us that Novak Djokovic wasn't going to be winning the gold, we wouldn't have believed you, nor that Belinda Bencic would be winning the women's side of things. But alas, that's what happened. It was Alexander Zverev and Belinda Bencic who claimed the Olympic gold medals with a lot of interesting results in between that as well as some remarkable stories in the mixed doubles and men's and women's doubles respectively. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo, and well, we are back. It's been probably what about a month and a half since we've been uh, since we've been on life does get in the way unfortunately but it's great to be back here on the podcast talking all things tennis and joining me as he always does looking down the camera at me with those beautiful eyes is Joel Frucci Joel how are you I'm good Val geez I've almost forgotten how you look mate it's been a while but uh no I'm going okay um bits happened since uh, we were last on I hear you're uh, you're a property mogul now mate Yes, I uh, have moved into a new property. Um, my part, my lovely partner, Rach, and I bought a place. And uh, yeah, we moved in last week. So hence that would that ruled out last week for us doing a show. But yeah, moved in uh, uh, and yeah, everything's going well. There's still a few boxes lying around, but most for the most part, we are settled in. So you can see part of the bedroom behind me. And uh, we next week, by this time, we will have a desk. So that's where I'll be doing the podcast, Beautiful. but pretty much sitting Everything's sort of lined up on my bed, but uh, yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, that's that's uh, we'll go with the makeshift stuff for now. But I haven't forgotten what you look like because I dream about you every night, Joel. Uh, that's oh, how invested mate. I am in you as a friend. But um, look, we do have a big show lined up tonight. We're going to talk all things Olympics and what uh, happened at Ariaki Tennis Park in uh, in Tokyo, and whether we we weren't sure whether the event would go ahead. It did go ahead, and it went ahead with with some superb narratives. But we've also got Blair Henley, um, who we had on last year, one of the best voices in tennis to talk about all things Olympics and her thoughts on the events that transpired in Tokyo. But we'll start with the big elephant in the room, Joel, and that was Novak Djokovic. Uh, well. He hadn't lost a match on hard court all season. And all of a sudden, a set and a break up on Alexander Zverev. And Zverev does him 6-1 in the third to get through to the gold medal playoff. And then, well, the man that Novak Djokovic seems to hate playing, Pablo Carreño Busta, uh, PCB, <laughs> the Spaniard, um, gets him done in the bronze medal playoff. So Djokovic, the Olympics, just not a happy hunting ground for the world number one. And then, to make matters worse, poor Nina Stojanovic, Imagine you're hurt. It's probably your only shot that you're going to get at, yeah. an, at an Olympic medal. And Djokovic pulls out. I, I need to get your thoughts on this before we get to anything else and, and what you actually think of the situation and the scenario. I'm personally not a fan at all. Um, but I, I'd like to get, before I go into it a little bit more, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, look, I, I do feel for her because, uh, you know, despite the colour, there was still an Olympic medal up for grabs. And um, I can only really assume that something must have been up with, with Novak because uh, there was still a prize to be had there. Um, you know, again, as I say, regardless of what the colour was, a bronze medal is still a great achievement um, at an Olympic Games. So, look, it was uh, look, it was, uh, it was slightly disappointing to see. Um I, I guess from a from a nationalistic point of view, it was great because it meant that Ash Barty and John Pierce got uh, got bronze without having to move a muscle, which was uh, fantastic and, and really happy for um, obviously for both of them, um, but for John Pierce especially, I think because um, I guess the, the sense that doubles doesn't always get the the plaudits, um, and he as a double specialist, he's been around for a while and has done a lot of great things. 
um, on the double circuit. So really happy he was able to get that bronze um, with Ash Barty. But yeah, um, all up with Novak. Uh, yeah, very surprising that he didn't at least get a medal, really, in in either event. Um, it was a surprise. Um, but he came up against Alex Verov, who in the last couple of matches, in the medal matches, was an absolute steam train. He absolutely destroyed Karen Kashinov in the gold medal match. It was insane. I watched it pretty much from start to finish, and he was absolutely ferocious. It was incredible. And we'll touch on this with Blair as well a little bit later. The confidence there, I think, is there for Zverev. In the best of three, and before we get back to Novak, the confidence is there in the best of three, isn't it, Joel? We know that. We know that Zverev has won the ATP finals. Now that the Olympic final has been moved back to, to the best of three format, He's won the Olympics. He's won Masters 1000s. He's been able to beat all the big guys in these best of three encounters, but he's still yet to beat a top 10 player at a Grand Slam. He's almost Mm -hmm. won a Grand Slam, two sets to love up and had chances in the US Open final. And then even what happened at the French Open semi this year against Stefano Tsitsipas. But he just can't crack through in that best of five. And uh, I think that's the one worry. But this now, for me, gives him the confidence to go on and say, you know what? I've won everything else. I literally have won everything else. Roger hasn't won a singles Olympic gold. Novak hasn't won yeah. a singles Olympic gold. Yes, Rafa and Murray have, but you know, I can do this now. I've won literally everything else. The Grand Slam is it. That's that's the one that's left. So I, th- I think now that gives him the confidence to go on and say, okay, I'm going to be able to do this, whether that's at the US Open, I don't know, considering the form Novak's in in best of five, uh, he's still the one to beat. But the fact that he's beaten him on a hard court and he's only one of two players to do it this year, I think that's going to hold him in very good stead, Alexander Zverev, going into the rest of the season. But going back to Novak, you're right. I'm very surprised he didn't end up with a medal. But it was a very contrasting um, I guess, couple of hours or couple of days from Novak because of what he said in regards to Simone Biles and, in some extent, Naomi Osaka, when he said pressure is privilege. And I I agreed with him. If you're an athlete, being in those high-pressure right. situations is privilege. And a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is pure cockamamie. But this... <laughs> But this this was true. But he says pressure is privilege. But then you, then you go, yeah. I was trying to think of something clever, and that's what came out. Um, I think it worked. But that was fair enough. He's he says that, but then he goes and does something else. And after the loss against Pablo Carreño Busta, he throws his racket into the net. Then he throws it into an empty stadium. And yes, there it was an empty stadium. But still. Why? You you don't need to be doing that sort of stuff. And then pulls out of his mixed doubles. So, on and, and citing a shoulder injury. So, there could very well be an injury, but we know with, with Novak that uh, that hasn't always been the case. Um, uh, air quotes, abdominal strain um, from the Australian uh-huh. Open this year, which I still don't believe. But uh, moving on. Um, yeah, it's... Look, I... Uh, I don't know. It, it was it was absolutely bizarre, and Rafael Nadal pretty much summed it up perfectly today and said, "Look, he's he's a competitor. He doesn't like to lose, but he's a role model for children, and we don't really want to see that when a top player is throwing his racket into the stand because that just encourages younger kids to do it." So, um, yeah, it was just it was so 
so strange to just the sheer contrasting messages that we were getting from the Djokovic camp and as kind of per usual, I guess, Joel. Yeah, it's it's a tough one to really talk through. Like, I don't know, Novak's, we know that he's got his way of thinking. He's just a very different thinker. I, I, describe, him, I describe him as a very autonomous thinker. I think that's the right word. I think just... Sometimes Novak, I think, just kind of plays by his own rules to an extent, kind of just does his thing. I guess we're, we're pretty used to it now. Um, yeah. It's, to be honest, Val, I, I don't really have a whole lot more to add, to be honest, other than just it was just a, a really strange situation from a player that was evidently frustrated, um, which I think I can understand in the heat of the moment. And I say heat of the moment as well in a, in a literal sense. It was bloody hot in japan and we have yeah. we have sources on the ground um clementito yeah shout out to you clem bloody hot bloody humid not to say that that's an excuse i mean tennis players deal with that all the time well no that can't um, deal with the heat joe we know that yeah yeah well yeah we have seen that before <laughs> actually um but yeah just look just a, a really strange situation and look i think when it's all said and done i, I don't think novak will, will will probably look back on on Tokyo 2020 with a whole lot of fondness, I don't think. No, neither do I. I just and look. It was he was going for something unprecedented in the men's game to go to go for that Golden Slam, and he, he couldn't get it done. And um, look, the calendar Grand Slam is still very well on the cards, and I I wouldn't back yeah. against him to do it, considering what he's been able to conjure up so far in 2021. He has been unstoppable almost, and with Roger and Rafa being or more injured than they normally are. I think that this is going to go, and the younger generation not being able to mentally go with Novak over five sets. I think this is going to be, it's almost a foregone conclusion, but stranger things have happened as we saw in Tokyo. So Alexander Zverev, the men's mm. gold medalist and silver medalist, uh, Karen Khashenov from Russia. And then you've got uh, Pablo Carreño Busta, the Spaniard, what a man. I love his, uh, still, yeah. the way that he speaks uh, English. Bronze medal is uh, good for me, you know? <laughs> eh, bronze medalist, uh, yes, uh, very, very good, no? Um, you, we could, we could <laughs> no, do those. In all seriousness, though, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so good for Pablo, though, isn't it? Because, yeah. again, we talk about players that have been around for a while and Karen Kachanov as well. He's we, we know what he can do. Yes. And so often he's just kind of really struggle to put it together when it really counts. But for those two guys to get a medal was was great. And just, just to kind of round things off here, Val, it's really interesting, like on the Olympic chat, especially on the men's side. Um, and this kind of connects to the women as well. And it's probably going to provide a bit of a segue into the women's side of things. But isn't it interesting? The, the Olympic gold medal, there's a lot of talk about how tennis and the Olympics, it's not really the pinnacle for tennis, which I think the majority would probably agree with. But it clearly still means something to a lot of players. And what I find really interesting is that now that we've seen uh, Alex Verev win the medal, it's probably his first real, uh, obviously he's, he's won the Masters before, but um, it's like he's obviously won the medal, hasn't won a slam yet. So it's kind of interesting how it's kind of worked in reverse. And, you know, Roger hasn't won it. Novak hasn't won the gold. Um, and then we flip it over to the women and we saw our very own Ash Barty struggle and obviously lost to Sara Saribas Tormo in the first round. So I don't know. I just find it's really interesting to look at the Olympics and see how on both sides, it just seems deceptively harder to actually win it than what people may make out to be. And, um, you know, I think it really, I think it shows that it means a lot more to the tennis players than 
maybe a lot of people would say because, well, it's not necessarily the pinnacle of the sport, but evidently still means a lot. Well, it's still one event in every four years and there's the prestige yeah. and the mystique about the Olympics and about having an Olympic gold medal and representing your country, which players don't really get to do all that often. You know, they've got the they've got the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup and uh, the women don't even have the ATP Cup. They've got the Billie Jean King Cup and that's it. So, yeah, this is it, it's an amazing feat for Alexander Zverev and, and Karen Hashanov. And then uh, just before we do get to the women... Pablo Carreño Busta beat the world number one and two in this draw to take out the, he and, did, he, yeah. and he still didn't even win it. He took out the bronze. So that's how quality this draw is. So an amazing feat from all three players. But uh, yeah, on the women's side of things, what a draw it was. It was Belinda Bencic uh, with the gold, Marketa Von Drusova taking out the silver, and then Alina Svitolina coming from behind and way behind um, in the in the bronze medal playoff against uh, Alina Rubikina. Alina Monfils. Yeah, uh, no, she actually doesn't want to be Alina Monfils, does she? She wants to really? stay. Okay. No, that was changed automatically. She said, "I'm proud to be Svitolina." Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, I know. I know she broke your heart, Joel. But um, so you're but, saying you're saying there's still a chance. Oh, it's like a Lloyd Christmas one in a million chance, but um, <laughs> yeah, Alina, if you are listening, look, <laughs> don't commit adultery. If if you're not happy, I know, oh. I know Joel is waiting in the wings. So just uh. yeah, it's it's okay. You have options. Um, yeah, let's just let's, let's just leave it at that, Joel. We digress. Yeah, we digress. But um, no, and a mate, and look, I couldn't think of a better player to have won the or a nicer player to have won the gold medal than Belinda Bencic. She just exudes happiness and it it was just palpable. You could see the passion Mm. after she won and the reception that she's had in Switzerland since winning it and and the messages and outpouring of messages from Roger Federer who posted on an Instagram about her and and then you've got uh, even messages saying today is a good day to make your dreams come true. Um, Obviously, they're great friends. We know that. And then you've got the, the. I think she's staying at a resort in Switzerland. They've completely decked out the the hotel, the suite for her, and she's just been celebrated wow. beautifully. And um, yeah, an, an amazing tournament from Belinda Bencic. But to be able to do that, uh, and, and I think it, it's very understated because Switzerland has actually had two uh, gold medalists. Now they had Mark Rossett in 1992, Joel, and Belinda Bencic now in 2021. But if you look at the players that haven't won it for Switzerland, Federer, Vavrinka, and Martina Hingis. And yeah, yeah Federer and Vavrinka did it in doubles, but they haven't won the singles one. So it makes the feat all the more impressive that she's one of two Swiss players to win it. But the other one isn't any of the ones that you think that have won the gold medal. It's bizarre. Yeah, and this, again, Val, ties back into the chat that we were having before. It's very much the same um, as the men. I mean... Look at we look at Belinda Bencic and where she's at in her career. She's obviously still young, but we know what she can do, and she's been around the the top end of the WTA for a fair while now, but just hasn't been able to put it together. Um, really, when it when it counts at Grand Slam level, she's kind of been close, but not really done a lot of damage. Um, we know that Marketa von Drusseva has made a Grand Slam final, um, beaten by Ash Barty at the French a couple of years ago. Um, and as, and Elena Spitalina, I mean, we're just we're waiting for her just to to make inroads at Slam. She hasn't done it yet, so for her to win a medal um, again, um, hopefully it's a breakthrough for her because she's one that we've spoken about a bit that might be running out of time. Probably her and 
and Carolina Pushkover as well. That mm. you know, if they don't if they don't strike now, then maybe they they might just time out. Um, so look again. Hopefully it's a springboard for her. Hopefully it's a springboard for Belinda and um, obviously Marquetta as well. We've seen her in the last two before at a slam. So look, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a blanket for for all these players. We just hope that the top three in the men's, um, the the top three in the women's. We we hope that it can be um, a real springboard for them. Yep, exactly right. And and hopefully Svitolina can get that confidence heading into the US Open because, as you said, time could be running out. She's a lot younger than what Pliskova is, but still, it, the pressure just mounts every time she plays a slam and doesn't win one. And to come back and, and win yeah. like she did in a big match against Rubikina, it, it was impressive. But then you've got players like uh, Anastasia Pavlochenkova. She's now a gold medalist in the mixed doubles. Um, you've got, uh, who else was in there? Camilla Georgie made the quarterfinals. Uh, I don't, wasn't there, obviously. No, obviously not. But um, that was that was unbelievable. The fact that she did that. But then you've got the players that the upsets, the early upsets that we just didn't see coming. Igish Fiontek losing to Paula Badosa. Then you've got uh, Vondrusova unseated, even though she's been uh, very high in the world, beating Naomi Osaka and not just beating her, but destroying her six one six four. And then you look at the other um, Tomjanovic pushing. Um, Pushing Svitolina, um, Camilla Georgie over Karolina Pliskova, Donna Vekic over um, Arena Sabalenka. Just phenomenal results that we just weren't expecting to happen. And, of course, the number one, the Wimbledon champion, Ash Barty losing to Sara Soribes Tormo. This is what makes women's tennis so interesting. The fact that anybody at the moment can beat anybody. And we genuinely don't know where a tournament victor is going to come from. Yeah, it's great. And again, it's just the everlasting charm really of, of the WTA that, that really makes it so interesting. And even looking at the season as, as a whole, you know, you look at someone like um, Barbara Krejcikova, who has been floating around for a little bit. We've seen flashes of her in bits and pieces, but obviously really put it together um, earlier in the year. So yeah, no, it was great. Um, yeah, I think the Olympics really, they'll, uh, again, both sides, but especially the women, it was really just, you know, it, it epitomized why I think, um, you know, when we talk about tennis as an Olympic sport, absolutely, it's there to stay. Yep. Uh, I don't think, and look, I understand the argument and where a lot of other people are coming from in terms of tennis, golf, surfing, um, and a couple of other sports. I understand, I do, because it's not, if it's not the pinnacle of your sport, should it be in the Olympics? But it's, this is, a showpiece event where the best athletes in the world go and ply their trade. And if you win a gold medal for your country, you win a gold medal for your country. That's that's as far as it goes. So a massive congratulations to all the all the winners and all the medalists and and everyone. And we'll chat more about it now with with Blair Henley. And the Olympics has been run and won. And while the the athletics is still going, the tennis tournaments are done. And it was Alexander Zverev in the men's, Belinda Bencic in the women's, and many more in the doubles and mixed doubles. But it threw up some bizarre results as usual. And joining me to talk about all of those is the one and only Blair Henley, the best voice in tennis. And it's so good to have you join us, Blair. Thank you so much for staying up so late to, um, to join me here. But it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. How are you? Thanks, Val. That's a generous intro, but I'll take it. Oh, I you, de- you deserve it. Don't worry, Blair. Um, but uh, first things first, how is the COVID situation over in America at the moment heading into the US swing? Because that's where we're all heading. Washington 
uh, is impending and we've had Atlanta already. So very interested to hear how things are going in uh, in the US. Yeah, I mean, I think overall there's hope. We're ha- we have these tournaments that are supposed to have full crowds. Had, since he will be the next tournament that I am actually present at that has a, a full crowd there is supposed to. I think there's probably a layer of unease as well as as we sort of hear the news from the US and around the world. Uh, and of course, when you're dealing with an international tour, it presents difficulties that you don't see on the PGA tour or in an American football team, for instance. So, so there are definitely hurdles that the decision makers have to deal with that. Is there a great answer or like the perfect way to execute? I don't know that there is. So everybody's just sort of doing their best. I can tell you though, uh, I was just Newport and it was for the most part, a pretty normal feeling tournament. We had a lot of fans in the stands. The players were able to walk to and from to have food where they wanted to have food. Um, and there was there was I kind of a lightness, a spring in their step, a happiness. Um, it's really weighed, as we've heard, on a lot of players, the, the bubble concept. And so I, I love for the players that they've at least have had some experiences, many of them, but now where they've gotten the feel of having fans back in the stands and and maybe not being in such a tight bubble uh, at the hotel. Prayers up that it continues and we're still (laughs) like this, you know, into past the U.S. Open, into Labor Cup and into uh, the uh, Indian Wells tournament, which is hopefully happening in October. So long answer to say, we're hoping for the best. <laughs> we sure are because it's such a significant portion of the year and it's really going to shape where the rankings lie towards the indoor European swing. So fingers crossed we can see a full extent uh, or full crowds and and uh, full tournaments going ahead. But um, I don't envy the politicians or the tournament directors over the next few months because it is going to be hell for them. But look, moving into the Olympics, uh, we'll start with the men's side of things and I think the the most bizarre result was that Novak Djokovic, who hadn't lost a hard court match all year, loses two. And Joel and I just touched on it before, but um, it was just remarkable and amazing for Alexander Zverev, but also for Pablo Carreño Busta, who is well the Novak Djokovic banana skin, really, with what happened at the US last year. But an amazing result. And did you see it coming? Because it seemed like such a foregone conclusion. So no, I, I didn't see it coming. I don't know that anyone can say that they did, but I was probably more in the camp of anything is possible at a normal event. Multiply that by some sort of multiplier at the Olympics, because we have seen historically some pretty unusual results at the Olympics. It's just a little bit of a different feel than any other event the players play. And we heard from Sasha Zverev, who won gold just this week, saying it's only it's every four years and every five years. In this case, there's a little bit more pressure for Novak Djokovic. He had a little less control over his routine and his surroundings, which we know is something that he likes to have 100 percent control over. Uh, And so I think it's just a good reminder that we're talking about a human and not a machine. And we saw that up close and personal in his last two matches. Yeah, we really did. And that that brutal three-hour match he played against Carreño Busta in the oppressive heat uh, in that bronze medal playoff, it just looked like hell. And then um, he pulls out of his his mixed doubles. And and look, I'm not a massive fan of that. And I know Nina Stojanovic might have had an idea that that could have happened. But um, you've got to feel sorry for her, just considering this might have been her only chance to get an Olympic medal. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a really unfortunate situation. She actually has since posted on Instagram and it was it was gracious and maybe I missed it. I because I, I was thinking, wait, did I miss the part where she said thanks to Novak for, for being her partner? There's a picture of her and Novak, but uh, but the post itself is is sort of notably missing the thanks Novak for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> so who knows? I, I, I think, uh, you know, there's no use in, in stirring anything up at this point. I do think, you know, without Novak, would she have even been in that position? Maybe not. Uh, and so hopefully she can look back and say, hey, listen, because Novak decided he wanted to play mixed doubles, I was able to get to this point in the event that I wouldn't have been in otherwise. So my hope is that people can take good things away, but I can imagine the heartbreak. Oh, if it was me, I'd be absolutely devastated, but uh, that's just me. <laughs> um, but look, looking at Alexander Zverev and, We've we touch on this, but I think that he's he's won the year end finals, he's won Masters one thousands, he's won the Olympic gold, which Roger and Novak haven't been able to do. Now it's just the Grand Slam. Now he's done it in the best of three, it's best of five now, and he's still not beaten a top ten player at a major. But how is his confidence, or how do you think his confidence would be? We we know that he's a very confident character, but now he's done everything else. He's got one thing left to do. How is the pressure and how is the confidence, do you think? I don't think that Sasha Zverev has ever been hurting for confidence, even when the rest of the world was saying, why can't you do well? You can do well everywhere else. And you know, now we've seen incrementally, You know, he has a slam final. He was very close to the final at Roland Garros. He's incrementally making steps, but in terms of his belief, I don't know that he's ever really struggled there. He's one of the more, he has, he has confidence reserves, I think. And I'm a little jealous. I wish, <laughs> I wish I had uh, as much uh, belief in myself as I think Sasha Zverev has in, him, in himself. Uh, so I think it's inevitable as Rafa once said, I think, I think we will see Alexander Zverev hoisting a Grand Slam trophy at some point. I think there is no doubt in his mind that that's going to happen. And so I'm going to follow suit and say, I think it's, we'll eventually see this. Look, I do tend to agree because his first two losses at Grand Slams this year that we saw, he arguably should have beaten Novak Djokovic in Melbourne because he had the opportunities to do it. He was up breaks. He just couldn't convert. And it was all up up in his head, really. And Novak's just such a supreme mental player. And then again, Stefano Tsitsipas, it was just a couple of lapses of concentration in that fifth set because if he had have held on, Tsitsipas was was on toast. So an amazing an, an amazing season so far from Zverev. He caps it off with a gold. US Open, I think, is the big one now for him if he can go one better. But moving to the women's now, and I couldn't think of a nicer player to win the gold medal than Belinda Bencic. It, it's an amazing an amazing result and Roger Federer messaging her on Instagram afterwards and, and saying today is a great day to make your dreams come true. It, it just shows that she, when Federer couldn't do it, Hingis couldn't do it. Vavrinka couldn't do it in the singles gold. And she joins Mark Rossett as the, the two singles gold medalists for Switzerland. It, it's elite company and she's defied what some elite players couldn't do. Yeah. I'm interested to see if, the success that Belinda has had. And, and you're right. I mean, it, there was a lot of love, you know, there, there's just sort of a happiness uh, about her uh, mm. on the quarter. There can be, uh, she has her bad days like everyone yeah. else, but for the most part, yeah, I, it's, it's the Swiss thing, I think. Uh, but I'm interested to see how 
this propels her going forward. Uh, that's, that's, I, and I'm interested to see that for Zverev too. What does a gold medal, does, does that translate back to the tour because it's such a unique circumstance? Mm. Does it, does it translate? Um, because I think Belinda Bencic has the game, same thing as, as Zverev to win majors. It's just a matter of putting it together over the course of seven matches. So we'll, we'll be very interested to see if now that she's had this monumental achievement, if it leads to other monumental achievements. Yep, and I guess you're right. That does that question, and we saw Andy Murray in 2012. He hadn't won a slam yet. All of a sudden, loses the Wimbledon final and then goes on to win at Wimbledon at the Olympics and then goes on and wins the US Open that year. So I think we could see something similar from Zverev and Ben Chich, but also you've got Marketa Vondrusova and Alina Svitolina rounding out the bronze medal and or the silver medal and the bronze medal. Um, geez, Vondrusova, what a tournament from her to beat Naomi Osaka on her home deck and then to go on and make the final. And it had been a little bit of a plateau, and she stagnated after that French Open final in 2019. But it's great to see her back, and um, she she did everyone proud in the Czech Republic. Yeah, you know, you hate to see players who have just sort of been stymied by injury, and that's mm. sort of been the case for Marquetta and, and just sort of finding her rhythm at that highest level again. But you got to love the storyline, too, where she sort of got in to the Olympics on a technicality. Yeah. That That could have been Carolina Mukova's spot. Uh, but again, I don't understand the rules exactly, but there was some sort of protected yeah. ranking loophole uh, and she <laughs> was able to get in. And that's what a way to silence the haters, right? I don't know if there were that many haters, but if there were going on to win a silver medal, I'd say is is pretty uh, is a pretty good way to say, hey, that's right. I deserve to be here. <laughs> exactly right. And the Czech, well, the Czech Republic have had a key figure in, in the women's side of things. They had Mukova, in the semifinals at the Oz Open. Krejcikova obviously wins the French, and then Pliskova in the final of Wimbledon, and now they've had an Olympic silver medalist plus the doubles gold. Um, they've just had a little key figure in each of these tournaments, and it's amazing. It's an amazing result for her and for um, and for the country. But then you've got Alina Svitolina. What a fight back, and, and how happy was she with that bronze medal? And I saw the selfie that Gal Monfils posted of, uh, of her when Wifey brings home a bronze medal. Um, it, it was just, it was a great story. The bronze medal stories to me are always the best stories, yeah. uh, with, with maybe the exception of Monica Puig winning the gold in 2016, mm. but the bronze medal stories are, are, they're fantastic. They're the people who weren't sure, you know, they played that last match and didn't know for sure that they were going to get a medal. Uh, there seems to be more if it's possible, almost more of an appreciation of the accomplishment because you know it wasn't, a medal was not guaranteed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, how cool. And Gail and Alina, goodness, what a power couple. Love it. I More Gems Live content for me. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Those wedding photos, the, the, I love. I actually didn't mind the purple theme of the wedding. I'm not. I'm. I'm a big fan of the color purple, and I. I don't mind it. So um. No, they were. That that was great. Wedding nails at the Olympics. Mm. She still had the purple nails. Yeah. No, that was um. And and to come back and look, she would have just come off her honeymoon, and to to come back and win the bronze medal. And she looked down and out. Rubikina looked like she had the match done and dusted. Um, so for Alina Svitolina to come back and the passion just for winning a bronze medal, I think that just shows what the Olympics is all about and what it does mean to the tennis players because there is that argument that you know it's not the pinnacle of their sport and like golf and like surfing, it's not the pinnacle of, of their sport. A major 
or a world title or, or or a Wimbledon might be a little bit bigger. But the Olympics, there's that prestige about it. And to represent your country, which you don't have the opportunity to do much, I think that showed, didn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I actually did a story uh, for Tennis Magazine or Tennis.com where I got to talk to a lot of players about players who have gone to the Olympics and thought it was the greatest decision they ever made and players who went once, never went back or players who've never been. It's, it's a value judgment, but I think what you just said there, it's not the pinnacle of tennis, true. I think though the players who go realize that it is the pinnacle of sports. Uh, that it is much bigger than than the sport of tennis itself. Uh, and and that's why I think that the players who committed to go, I, I didn't talk to one who was like, that was a bad decision. Uh, they all they all were like, I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. Um, so again, value judgment, no, no judgment on the people who decide not to, but those who go, I think that is the realization that they have is, okay, may, may not be the pinnacle of tennis, but it's the pinnacle of the world of sports and how, how much cooler can it get? Exactly right, and I guess there's there's a lot of tennis fan, or tennis players that are fans of basketball and all these other sports, and they get to see some of their the players that they love or get to talk to athletes that they'd never really get the chance to speak to, and vice versa. I know um, one of my friend's uh, sisters is running in the athletics, and she got a photo with John Millman the other day, and she was absolutely <laughs> stoked. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's so great cool. that tennis is there and because they are a sport. And they are bloody talented athletes. So for them to, to actually get the chance to apply their trade, I, I like it personally. I understand where people are coming from, but yeah, no, I, I definitely do like it. But before I let you go, the double, the mixed doubles gold medal match, I really, really enjoyed this because to see Bwe in an Olympic final was was one of the... I'm very satisfied now. I can end the year on a high. Um, but no, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. The stories and, and the narratives of Pavlochenkova... Roland Garros final, now Olympic gold medalist. And Aslan Karatsev, where he's come from over the last year, Grand Slam semifinalist, titles on the ATP tour, and now an Olympic medalist. Just unbelievable. You couldn't not smile, really, through the entire mixed doubles event. Um, did I know that Andre Rublev had double skills? <laughs> not not good enough to win a gold medal. I don't I don't think I knew that. Uh, now now I do. Uh, but just the partnerships themselves, the Russian team in general, they just seem like a fun bunch, they like do. a good hang. Like let's, Friday night, let's. I, I want to go go out with uh, Team Russia. Um, but no, and, and even the bronze medal match with Ash and John Piers. Yeah. I mean, so cool for them as well, especially John Piers, who you know this. I might I don't this might be his last Olympics. I would guess it probably is. So, so a neat moment for him. So really all the way through, I hear they're bringing Hotman cut back. It can't happen soon enough. I know. Mixed doubles is an under exploited part. Exploited is probably not the right word, but you know what I mean? It, to me, it can draw people in. Anybody who's watching that, who's maybe never seen it before. And it's like, wait, like men are playing with women at the highest level. This is a thing that happens. It's so cool. And it's underrated and tennis should plug it way more than they do, in my humble opinion. Look, I agree, actually. And you saw Kyrgios and Venus at Wimbledon. That drew a crowd. That really drew a crowd. And it gives it gives the opportunity to play with some of the greats and play against some of the greats that you never normally would. And look, the Hotman Cup, I don't think that's coming back to Perth, which is really disappointing from what I've read. And uh, uh, look, it's an Australian institution, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they do change their mind. But yeah, it, it's going to be great to have that back on the calendar because it does have such history 
um, as part of it. So, yeah, it, it is exciting, and hopefully we do get to see more mixed doubles. But, Blair, I will let you go. Thank you so much for joining me uh, from over there in Texas. Stay safe, and I hope everything uh, I hope everything goes well with the U.S. swing. I can't wait to see your dulcet tones on uh, every bit of tennis social media that I follow. Thanks, Val. Good to talk to you. Blair Henley there joining us here on the show. What an absolute superstar she is. And, uh, yeah, she's, whatever she doesn't know about tennis isn't worth knowing, Joel. Is she the loveliest person in tennis or is that like, am I, I think I'm right. I think she's the loveliest person in tennis. Yep, I think so. I think that's uh, that's probably the, the next time she comes on, I think we can uh, safely say loveliest person in tennis as her title. But uh, look, without further ado, Joel, there's a few tournaments going on and we know there's been a bit of controversy and look, it wouldn't be our show without this segment and Benoit of the week has become a cornerstone, whether you're in Mogadishu or whether you're in Casablanca, Rome, New York, or even Broadmeadows here in Melbourne. It is a cornerstone <laughs> of people's lives. And we know that they hang off our every word to find out who it's going to be every week, Joel. And look, uh, we must we must give a multiple Benoit considering the, the amount of time that we've had off and, and the amount of sport that's just taken place over the last couple of months. So I, I, I think without further ado, we, mu- we must go with a multiple Benoit. Yeah, I think we're going to give a couple. Um, oh, geez, maybe I could give two. One to you for that uh, that, that call. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, in seriousness, I'm going to give mine, I think, to the Australian swimming team. Um, mm-hmm. Not... It's, it's almost tennis. Well, not not really. Um, they're at but, the same uh, event as the, the tennis. They're, yeah, they're at the same holistic event. Um, but no, it had to be an Olympic thing because uh, obviously it's going on at the moment. Um, it's kept us all sane. It's kept our minds away from COVID and just overall, um, I think it's been a great event. And uh, the Aussie swimmers did a, well, a fantastic job in the, in the pool. So now nah, I think for mine, it's got to go to them. Yeah, geez, that was so good, and and you know, there's been a lot of silver medals and and so on and so forth over over the last um of the last few Olympics, but they have they have well and truly delivered on a um on a big front here. Ariane Titmus and Emma McKeon doing so well, and Kate Campbell got a couple of golds as well. Emily Seabom in there as well, plus so so many more. And Kyle Chalmers, um, I know he didn't get a goal, but geez, he was good and he was so fast in his hundred meter runs and and swims. Um, so amazing stuff from the Australian swim team. Um, look, I'm going to give a couple, Joel, one to Casper Root, okay. the unfriendly ghost. Um, just for his sheer winning run at the moment. He's won three tournaments in a row, back to back to back. So amazing stuff from him. He's really starting to hit form at the right time, heading into the US Open. Unfortunately, all the tournaments on clay. So yeah, not really sure we should be playing clay court tournaments after Wimbledon, but look, that's what the ATP wants to do. So that's what they're going to do. Um, and next Classy one. Casper. Yeah, pretty much well, a brown Casper, consider, or red dirt Casper, instead of a white Casper. Casper the red dirt ghost. <laughs> Oh, there you go. You hear it all on this show. Um, and <laughs> also Jordan Thompson for his little outburst this morning on uh, against LAS Emma in uh, in Washington. Oh, that was something else. Thought the ball double bounced. Uh, umpire didn't overrule. Thompson stopped playing and wanted Emma to forfeit the point when he was serving for the match, which he didn't do and was well within his right to do. If he knew it doubled up, look, he probably should have uh, forfeited the point, but... If if he didn't feel as though it did, he wasn't in his he was in his right to to plead his case, and Thompson ended up losing. And look, he's better than that, Geordie. And uh, uh, 
yeah, I, I reckon I reckon it just was a bit unnecessary overall, to be honest. So that's uh, they're, they're my two Benoit's of the week. So we've given you a, a triple banger, Benoit. Very nice, Val. I like it. Good stuff. Good Thank way you. to come back. Just, you know, hit him well, not once, not twice, three times. Yep. And those people in Mogadishu, they are going to be hanging off our uh, every word here. Um, you know, I, I, I think we might have had one in Mogadishu at, at one point. That's where I pulled that from. I think we might have had a listener there. So if you are that listener in uh, in Mogadishu, um, please contact ah. us because I would like to chat to you. Um, so I feel I feel like I'm saying that. Give, might have to give that person to Benoit next next episode. Yeah, exactly. If we find out who you are, um, yeah, please, please listen or please well, keep listening, but um, send us through something. Um, but, Joel, it's been an absolute pleasure being back on the show with you, mate, and talking all things tennis as we love to do. So a pleasure as always. Yep, good to be back, mate. See you in a little bit. See you very soon, mate. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Breakpoint Pod, Facebook, Breakpoint Podcast, uh, Instagram, Breakpoint Podcast as well, and subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast channels. We are on them all. We've switched to Anchor from Wooshka, so uh, Anchor doing wonderful things for us. And um, no, we'll catch you next week to chat more things tennis. And, uh, well, whet your appetite just before the US Open. It's been Val Febo and Joel Frucci on Breakpoint Podcast. Big thank you to Blair Henley. We'll catch you soon.